Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called Dear God, where together we're learning to practice praying as Jesus taught us. Thanks for joining us. Well, I want to welcome you today as we uh, start a seven-week series on prayer. And we're calling this series, Dear God. That's often the way a lot of people start their prayers. And we want to learn more about prayer in this season. Now, why are we doing this series? Well, as we talk together as a staff, we've been talking about how can we do something during this season where every age group, every generation, there'd be application. And so we felt like prayer was definitely the subject. Another reason we're doing this series is because year after year after year, people like yourself have said, I still don't know how to pray like I want to, or I want to learn more about prayer. Or maybe some of you are new believers and you're trying to get used to what does it look like if I pray? So if you're following along in the notes today, here's what I want you to notice about these texts that we're going to look at today. Seeing Jesus pray, his disciples ask him to teach them to pray. Seeing Jesus pray, his disciples ask him to teach them to pray. And if you study the life of the disciples, he pulled it off. They became people that learned how to pray so much that it literally turned the world upside down. And uh, God wants to do the same thing in our lives. He wants to teach us how to pray. This is the good news. And so again, if you're following along in the notes, let me just give you the good news. Jesus teaches all who ask him how to pray. Jesus teaches all who ask him, whoever asks him and really wants to know. And so the question is, as we start this series is, what do you want? Do you want to know how to pray? And then if you do, have you ever asked him to teach you how to pray? And we hope that we can teach in such a way that you sense that his teaching is coming through in your life and helping you learn and grow in praying. But I want to just say this at the beginning. You can do this with God's help. You can do this. So the passages that I've put there on the notes are found in Matthew 6 and also Luke 11. These are the two places that we find the Lord's Prayer. And we want the Lord's Prayer to be the basis of this series. Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer. Many people say it's probably more accurate to call it the Disciples' Prayer that Jesus taught them. But we're going to look at that in more detail. So before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and in Matthew 11, we see some of the things around the Lord's Prayer. And Luke 11.1 1 highlights what I've just been saying. Notice what it says. One, Jesus, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to learn. That's what they wanted. They were hungry and they asked Jesus. And you and I can do the same. So let's start today by actually asking Jesus to teach us how to pray. Now, Lord... We thank you that you want to teach us how to pray, just like you taught your disciples how to pray. And we ask that you'll use this next six or seven weeks to grow us as a church family, that we really won't just know more about praying, but we'll actually pray and we'll know how to do it more and more with your help. Thank you for this good news. We receive it and we want to ask you, Lord, to do the same thing in our life that you've done for other people, because we know that's your heart. 
Amen. So today, what I want to do is talk to you about Jesus' heart uh, of prayer. What is the heart of prayer? Because then eventually we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in the coming weeks. Next week, Pastor Steve will be talking with us more about the Lord's Prayer itself. But for today, let me just mention several things that I notice in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, that happened just before the Lord's Prayer is given. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So if you're following along in the notes, just some things to remember if you're interested in getting to the heart of prayer. The first thing Jesus teaches us is this. Don't pray to impress people or manipulate God. Don't pray to impress people or manipulate God. I like how the message paraphrase puts Matthew 6, 5. Look at what it says. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? I don't know what it's like for you, but I can tell you as a pastor that sometimes I have turned the Christian life into a performance. There are times when I'm more conscious about what you think of me than I am about what God thinks of me. And that's always something I have to be careful about. I have to be careful that I'm not putting on a show or trying to look just right. Jesus is way more interested in our heart. And so he says, don't pray to impress people because you're missing it if you do. But also, don't pray in such a way that you think because of a certain formula or lots of words that you can manipulate God. God wants to have a love relationship with you. You don't have to manipulate him. You need to learn how to relate to him rightly. And he wants to teach us that. And prayer, believe it or not, is one of the ways we get to know God better, but also learn how to practice relating rightly with God. So first thing he teaches on the heart of prayer, don't pray to impress people or manipulate God. The second thing we notice in these verses is that he says, find a place where you can be with God who sees in secret. So if you're following along, Find a place where you can be with God who sees. He sees. In other words, you don't have to worry about whether or not he sees you when you pray. What a comfort that is to me. No matter where you are, whatever place you choose, he can still see you and he can still hear you. And he wants to interact with you in this love relationship. I uh, appreciate what uh, a guy named Pete Grieg says. He writes, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the place before he filled the people. He actually filled the place where they were, and then he filled the people. The ancient Celtic Christians understood very well that the Holy Spirit can saturate places as well as people. They describe such sacred sites evocatively as thin places. Your thin place might simply be a particular chair in your house, a bench in the park, a hallowed half hour on your daily commute, 
a regular slot in a 24-7 prayer room or even in the sanctuary of your bathroom. Spiritual teacher Richard Foster urges us to find a place of focus, a loft, a garden, a spare room, an attic, even a designated chair, somewhere away from the routine of life, out of the path of distractions. Allow this spot to become a sacred tent of meeting. And I found that to be so helpful. Do you have a place? Have you ever found a place where you could spend at least a few minutes each day with God? Uh, for years, this was something that I uh, struggled with. I didn't necessarily know where, but after a few years of experimenting, I've found a place where I can often meet with God. In fact, more than one place. I've found that sometimes when I get out of bed in the morning, I kneel down beside my bed and let that become the first place of the day. Maybe you have different places that you've found, but listen to this story that's also shared by Pete Grieg. An advertising executive became a Christian, but said that he was too busy to carve out a daily time of prayer. It's easy for you, he told his new pastor. You all have, you have all the time in the world, but I can't fit anything else into my life. Perhaps you feel something similar as you begin, as you think about finding a place. So the pastor pushed back when this man said it to the pastor. He said the advertising executive's complaint, he met it with a gentle challenge. You know, the pastor said, I've always managed to make time for the things I really value. That new believer went away and bought himself a really nice rocking chair, set it down in front of a window in his house and began to get up just 20 minutes earlier each day to sit in it, read the Bible and pray. As he maintained this simple daily rhythm, his wife and colleagues began to notice that he was becoming less scattered, more peaceful and kinder. That rocking chair was becoming his thin place. Months turned into years. A daily discipline became a holy habit. And then one morning, as he sat there rocking, the Lord invited him to quit his job, sell the family home, and relocate from Chicago to Colorado, where a church needed his help. It was a life-changing moment that launched his entire family into a new and remarkably fruitful season of life. Several years later, that successful executive was diagnosed with a particularly aggressive form of incurable cancer, but he continued to keep his appointments with God each morning in that chair. During his last remaining days, he found strength there in prayer for the hardest transition of them all. The day of the funeral dawned and a friend found his grieving wife gazing at the rocking chair. What are you going to do with it now? He inquired. Oh, we're going to pass it down to our children and grandchildren, she replied without hesitation. I love to think of them sitting in it in the way my husband did, unburdening their hearts, listening to the Lord, letting him shape and direct their lives. Where's your chair? For my wife, it's a daily dog walk and weekly appointments, Pete Grieg writes, in a particular coffee shop where she meets with God. For a teacher in our church, it's her classroom where she shows up half an hour early each day to pray quietly over every single desk. For a student who recently came to know Jesus from a strict Sikh background, it's her car. Driving is my sanctuary, she told me. I play worship music really loud and my family can't stop me. Wherever you find your place, your chair, try to visit it daily. I found that to be really helpful advice. And so don't pray to impress or manipulate God, 
but also find a place where you can be with the God who sees. Next, I want to just tell you that some of the best advice I've ever heard comes in three statements that all begin with keep. So the first one is keep it simple. The second one is keep it real. And the third is keep it up. And so let me just talk to you about keeping it simple. If you're following along in the notes, Jesus prayer that he teaches us what we call the Lord's prayer or the disciples prayer is only 31 words in the original language. And yet it's profound. In fact, if you would, would you mind turning your notes over or looking at them there if you have them? And we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together from the New International Version. It's found again in verses 9 through 13 of Matthew and a little different form in Luke 11, 2 through 4. This then is how you should pray. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As you think about that, um, I want to just show you again what Pete Grieg says about the Lord's Prayer. Notice it's more than 31 words in our English, but notice what he says here about this Lord's Prayer. Do we have it, Sue? The Pete Creed quote. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus then goes on to give the Lord's Prayer, which was just 31 words long in its original language. It also rhymed. Having advocated simplicity in prayer, he modeled it with a short rhyming prototype that takes about 30 seconds to recite in English and fits in a single tweet. As Archbishop Justin Welby says, the Lord's Prayer is simple enough to be memorized by small children and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. I don't know if you grew up and were taught the Lord's Prayer as a child or even as an adult, but if you were, you may notice that you probably still remember those words years later. Keep it simple. Jesus is saying, look, don't try and be fancy. Try and get to the heart of it just by keeping it simple. I've found that what's helped me is to talk in a normal voice, to oftentimes just pray phrases instead of long sentences. And if I'll keep it simple and use the Lord's Prayer kind of as a guide, then it's helped me to keep it simple. The second piece of advice is to keep it real. Keep it real. If you're following along, be honest with God. Come as you are. Throughout this whole passage in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, Jesus keeps arguing with us about making sure that we're genuine, that we're not putting on a show, that we're really being honest. But some of us have been taught, I can't really be honest with God because I might tell him or reveal some things that would be embarrassing. But he wants us to come to him as we actually are. And so as you think about this, look at these words again from Pete Grieg. Even when you don't really want to pray, a place of prayer can often make it easier. Merely by showing up, you make a declaration of intent. Listen to this next phrase. You say in effect, Lord, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. I may not want to be there initially, but these are often the times when God meets me most powerfully. After decades of night and day prayer, 
I have come to believe that 99% of it is just showing up, making the effort to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present to us. And so as you think about that, have you been taught to be real with God? Have you poured your heart out to him where sometimes it's got anger or complaint or grief or lament or embarrassing revelations of confession? He wants us to come to him. He wants us to keep it simple, to keep it real. And finally, he wants us to keep it up. You know, I don't know how it goes for you, but sometimes it's so easy just to give up in prayer. And that's when Jesus comes along and says, look, don't give up in prayer. Both in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, he talks about this. And if you're following along in the notes, keep it up. Ask, seek, and knock, and keep on doing so. Do you remember earlier in this message in the second line of the notes when I said that Jesus teaches all who ask him to pray? Well, and that word ask is actually found in Matthew and also Luke, but also uh, in Luke 18, 1, look at what he says one day when he was teaching people about prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so that's found in Luke 18. But I mentioned that the other place that the Lord's Prayer is besides Matthew 6 is Luke 11. And look at what he says in Luke 11, 9 and 10 after he's taught the Lord's Prayer. And so I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Sometimes people have said, I've tried praying, and uh, it didn't really work. Or I've tried you know, praying, and I couldn't learn it. But a lot of times we have to keep asking Jesus, oh, Jesus, keep teaching me. Show me how to keep it up and not quit because it's so easy in this world. If I don't get what I'm asking for or if I don't understand prayer, just to give up. But Jesus is looking for people that will keep on asking, that will keep on seeking, that will keep on knocking. He will answer that prayer with a yes. And so where is it that you're finding it hard? One of the things that I've appreciated <clears throat> is a story about Frank Laubach. Frank Laubach compared praying to throwing rocks in a swamp. Each rock sinks without trace. The exercise seems pointless, but keep going long enough. Keep throwing those rocks and the swamp will eventually be filled. One day, a rock will be thrown that will not sink. Solid ground will begin to appear. And so what does it look like for you? Is there something you need to keep praying about? Is there something that God wants to teach you how to pray in such a way that you're praying simply, that you're being real, but you're also continuing even though you don't see an answer? This is some of the things he's teaching us. So let me tell you where we're going in the next few weeks. I want to mention to you a book. And I think uh, we have this on the screen as well, but it's a picture of a book called How to Pray a Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Grieg. I've been quoting from it quite a bit, and our staff has been reading this, and we decided that this would be a great book to recommend to you as we think about how we can pray together in these days. 
And so I want to just mention to you, I've also listed it at the bottom of the message notes in case you're interested in getting a copy to read or also go to one of the audio books where you can listen to it. But this has been a great resource for us. And he also has an online resource that you can use as well. So here's where we're going. He says that the Lord's Prayer can actually be understood in a simple way with P-R-A-Y. So if you're following along in the notes, learn how to P-R-A-Y. What does he mean when he writes in his book about the Lord's Prayer? He says you and I need to pause. We need to rejoice. We need to ask and we need to yield. This is all some of the elements that are contained in the Lord's Prayer. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And so as you think about that, we're going to be talking about that starting next week. We'll look at the P for pause. So if you would, have you noticed that there's importance for finding a time and a place? And that's what I want to talk to you now as we think of two ways to practice praying with Jesus this week. First, find a time and place that you can meet with your heavenly father. Would you mind reading with me at the top here, um, Matthew 6, 6 in that first gray box in the message paraphrase. This is what Jesus says. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So what would it look like this week? Maybe you already have one established. If you found a time and also a place, again, listen to what Pete Grieg writes about this. He said, Jesus prayed diligently, regularly making time to be alone with his father. If anyone ever had an excuse not to pray in a regimented way, it was surely the sinless son of God. He said many people prefer to pray at the start of the day, as Jesus often did. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Others find mornings difficult and set aside time at night before bed. Jesus did this too. Each evening he went out to spend the night on a hill called the Mount of Olives. Commuters often deploy half an hour in the car or on a train to pray and absorb God's word. Busy parents of young children may find it easiest to snatch bite-sized moments during the day. Listen to this. Susan Wesley, who was the father of John and Charles Wesley, would pull her apron over her head. And whenever she did this, her 10 children, yes, 10, knew that she was praying and she was not to be disturbed. Whatever time of day works best for you, the key to turning a sporadic and spontaneous approach to prayer into a sustainable transformational routine is often to develop a quiet time in a place that you can regularly meet. And so what would it look like this week if you did that? Have you gotten this nailed down? I mentioned earlier that about 30 years ago, this became a total difference for me in becoming more consistent. And if you can do that, I, can, I think it'd be exciting for you. The second thing is, is that each day this week, would you be willing to read aloud the prayer that Jesus taught us and then ask him to teach you how to pray? So let me invite you to turn your notes over to the back side again. And I wanna just ask you to look at this. 
Maybe you already have this memorized. If you already have it memorized, would you be willing to say it out loud every day this week so that you could practice it and hear it? And while you're practicing it, say, oh, Lord, teach me. What do you want me to notice? What's standing out today? Teach me how to pray. And as you use those words, you may be able to put into your own words some of those same requests and guidance that he gives. You know, here in English, in the NIV, these are 53 words instead of 31, but it's still easy enough for a child to memorize, but deep enough and profound enough to sustain you and I for the rest of our lives. So this is a good investment if we can learn how to practice this. But I would just urge you to read over this at least once every day this next week. And by the way, it's completely legal if you want to read it more than once. I've found that helpful. And I want to encourage you to read it aloud because as you read it out loud, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it can actually grow your faith. So ask the Lord each day while you're doing that this week. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to notice? What are you saying to me? Show me how to know you and grow in this love relationship with you through prayer. Some of you notice that it does not include the last 13 or 15 words that are sometimes said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Or you may say forever and ever if you grew up Catholic. But that is part of what was added later in the Christian church. So we just mainly want to focus on what Jesus prayer is. But would you be willing to do that? So if you turn your notes back over, notice again that we're going to be recommending this book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Krieg with Nav Press 2019. It's got some other resources. But what if you and I were to grow in our ability to pray this year? What if this time became a season when God used our prayers to touch our community, our neighbors, and even our own families, even our own individual lives? He wants to change us through prayer and he wants to change things through prayer. So we're going to learn how to pray in this Dear God series in the next six or seven weeks. I invite you to join us. Would you mind praying with me as we close? Now, Lord, show us how to ask and keep on asking. Show us how to seek you and keep on seeking you. Show us how to knock and we pray that you'll open the door of prayer to us. We thank you that that's your desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.